April 4. It didn't happen in the early morning. Bono got that part wrong. But he got the heart of it right, which is what he's good at. There's a play we really wanted to do at Pacific Theatre that took place the night before Dr. King's death, set in the motel room where he spent the last hours of his life. The play is by Katori Hall. It's called The Mountaintop. Morris Ertman directed a phenomenal production at Rosebud last fall, and we tried to bring it out, but we just couldn't make it work. He's uh, working on a bit of a Canadian tour to some other theaters for this next season. If that works out, I'll let you know. That last sound clip was from Across the Universe, and the Robert F. Kennedy speech before it comes from the movie Bobby, written and directed by Emilio Estevez. At one point during the script development, Marty Sheen's boy developed a paralyzing case of writer's block. The only treatment was self-isolation, so he checked himself into a remote hotel near Pismo Beach to work on the script. The woman at the desk asked what he was doing there. I'm writing a script about the night Bobby Kennedy was killed. Tears instantly welled in her eyes. I was there, she replied. The woman had been a volunteer for Robert F. Kennedy in 1968, and Estevez wrote her story into the screenplay. She really helped me crack the spine of the story, give it a beating heart. After that, it just started to flow. Ouch. I don't think Emilio is a trained medical professional. She really helped me crack the spine of the story, give it a beating heart. After that, it just started to flow. Or a trained literary professional, either, for that matter. But I liked the movie, okay. Robert Kennedy died on June 6, 1968. Dr. King died on April 4th of that same year. Also on this day in movie history, Forrest Gump's letter home was returned to sender in 1967. And in 1969, Ted and Joanna Kramer were married, temporarily. On this date in 1954, 1984, 1985, and 2063, a bunch more things happened. Date. Data. I need to know the exact date. 9 p.m. We talked to Sergeant Hank Wilde, airport detail, who was on duty at the International Terminal on April 4th. April 4th, 2063. 
April 4th. That's right, Joe. April 4th, 1115, United Airlines. The day before first contact. It's dated April 4th, 1985. April the 4th, 1984. On April 4th, 7.30 p.m., you partook a plate of chicken parmesan. <gasps> chicken isn't vegan? This is my last will and testament. All I have is my story, and I'm writing it now while I still remember it. My name is Benjamin. Benjamin Button. To the past. Or to the future. To an age when thought is free. From the age of Big Brother. From the age of the thought police. From a dead man. Greetings. I don't know how we ever survived 1984. I spent the first 27 years of my life dreading that year. And then, well, it wasn't so bad, was it? We survived that, okay. Come to think of it, that's the year I started Pacific Theater. Oh, wait. 2001 wasn't quite what it was cracked up to be either. Computers didn't actually take over. Now I'm kind of wondering about the year 2525, which reminds me. Well, what do you know? It's a letter from Calgary, Alberta, my hometown. Dear Soul Food, Charlie heard the third edition of the podcast and was pretty tickled that he was part of the podcast movement. We both want to draw your attention to film history and the true origin of the ghost light. We have to go way back just about to the turn of the century when the great thespian Sir Toe Mater graced the silver screen with such classic films as Cars and Cars 2. In a little-known Cars short film, Mater brings the ghost light to life in a spine-chilling horror film perfection. Oh, and the light on the stage thingy is nice, too. Forever your greatest fans, Curtis and Charlie. P.S. We just won our second-in-a-row pandemic game. And with your successful solo game, that is quite a string. There's hope for the world after all. Oh, buddy. <laughs> you look like you just seen the ghost line. Mater. Don't mock the ghost light. What is the ghost light? Well, you know who started me on this whole ghost light idea? Not Sir Toe Mater, and not Sheriff either. The idea of the ghost light glowing in all the darkened theaters, saying, We will be back. It was Dalen O'Connell, from Minnesota. Fella I had never met, at least not before that one time that he did drop by the studio and we got talking about ghost lights. Back in episode one. Dalen O'Connell, in Minnesota? Like, I thought they were all Swedes and Norwegians there. I mean, O'Connell. 
I mean, it's got to be Irish. O'Connell Bridge, like, in Dublin. Named for Daniel O'Connell, the emancipator who fought in the early 19th century for Irish independence and the right of Irish Catholics to sit in the Westminster Parliament. O'Connell's statue stands watch over the bridge from the north and the River Liffey that it spans. If you head on up O'Connell Street a couple of blocks, you'll find yourself at the General Post Office, where the Easter Rising of 1916 got started. The first play I was in at theater school, University of Alberta, was Sean O'Casey's play, Red Roses for Me. Michael Murdoch directing that one. Another Irishman, don't you think? I played Rory O'Balakan, a zealous Irish Irish a zealous Irish Irelander. It's harder to say than you think. You try it. I've no time to waste on books, Ruskin. Curious name, not Irish, is it? What's in this Ruskin of yours? But another old cod with a gift of the gab. Right enough for the English, pying after little things, ever raking cinders for the glint of gold. We're different. We have the light. I mean the light of freedom. The tall white candle tipped with its golden spear of flame. The light we thought we'd lost, but it burns again, strengthening it into a sword of light. The Fenians are in full force again. Amen. The sword of light is shining. Two summers back, when Carol and I were in Dublin, that play came back to me. And I read up again on all the events leading up to Easter 1916. And the last night we were there, I took a picture of O'Connell Bridge under the arc of a double rainbow at sunset, looking east from the Hapney Bridge, elegant as a Georgian birdcage. O'Connell Street is the setting of the 1916 commemoration every Easter Sunday, as well as the main route for the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade. I wonder how that went this year. Can you imagine the Irish keeping appropriate social distance on St. Patty's Day? Well, I hope they did, for their own sake. We left Dublin and visited Mullingar itself. But first we visited the even smaller town outside Mullingar, where John Patrick Shanley's play took place name of Kalukin. We even tried to track down the Shanley farm, though with little success. That's where John's cousin Anthony lives, or was it Tony? A visit there inspired him to write the play. Now, we weren't going to bother the fellow, just get a look at the place from the road and maybe find the grave where his father, Tony, or was it Anthony, was buried. A nice lady in the Kalukin cemetery tried to help us out. Uh, can you go into Kalukin? Um, you're not familiar with Kalukin, are you? Yeah, well, when you go down the road here, just turn left, and that, turn left, and that'll bring you into the village. And when you go, there's a pub on both sides. One is Cullen's, the other is Anna's. Just go down and take a left, and pass by a butcher shop. Cleary is the butcher shop, right? Go out that road, and you go about, um, now, Anthony Shanley, whether you get him there or not, I know you go out to go keep going on that road until you kind of come to a staggering crossroads, as they call it. But just before that, 
he has a dormer bungalow, what we call a dormer bungalow, you know, two windows up on the roof. Thing, a dormer bungalow on the left. Now that's Tony. Now, uh, Brendan, I can't really direct you to Brendan because it's very, unless you know where you're going, it's very, because there's a lot of yeah. little roads. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But that would be Tony. Now, I have a feeling they could be buried. No, maybe they're buried here. Let's see. They would be kind of lost. But they could be Churden either. What's that? They could be in Churden Cemetery, not this cemetery. Oh, and where's that? It's the first cemetery on your left. Okay. And the chapel is on the hill. You know, and I think he's buried there. I yeah. think Tony Shanley is buried there. Okay. No, I'm nearly certain. No, he is. Tony Shanley is buried there. Tony Pat. Hello. No, can you tell Tony Shanley, is he buried in Churden? Yeah, Tony Shanley, yeah. Yes, no, I am right. He is Jordan, buried in Churden. Yeah, yes. yeah, Churden, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. These are Americans and they're just looking uh, Canadians. For oh, Canadians, sorry. Oh, yeah, now be careful about that. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was thinking, I was thinking he was buried Jordan, Jordan. yeah, yeah. Jordan, yeah. Grand, His grandson is a playwright, lives in New York, yeah. and my husband was in a play of his. And yeah. so became, you know John Patrick Shanley? Have you heard of him? No, no. Yeah, his play, play is called Outside Mullingar. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Have you heard of it? No, no, oh. no. no. <laughs> I haven't heard of it either no, now. No. no, well now I am right, so it's not here, it's Jordan. Yeah, I, wasn't, it's okay. I was 99% certain it was yeah. Jordan. So they were pretty impressed to meet this Canadian actor, and, uh, well, to hear that Tony Shanley had a famous cousin. <laughs> we never did find the cemetery. <clears throat> Even with directions as clear as that. Though it's actually there, somewhere. The cemetery, the farm outside Malangar. That's Wild Mountain Time from Julie Castleman's sound design for our 2017 production of Outside Mullingar by John Patrick Shanley. That's John Voth on the fiddle. Oh, that's a well-loved tune. There's many fine versions you can hear online. The cast had their favorites. Erla's was a beautiful traditional treatment by Kate Rusby. I'm partial to Sandy Denny's recording, singing with Fotheringay. It always reminds me of first learning that song at a bonfire well past midnight on Bowen Island years ago, when Eleanor Benson sang it so well and told me about Sandy Denny's version. Rebecca favored Ed Sheeran's version, recorded in the streets of Dublin, and that put the wrong idea in my head that Rebeck was an Ed Sheeran fan. So when that glorious quasi-Beatles movie came out last year, yesterday, I told her right away she had to see it as soon as possible and she would know why. And she did know why. Because of the unrequited love story in the film and the way that it echoed the one in Outside Mullingar. Except that didn't even cross my mind. I thought Outside Mullingar was about an old guy dying. I never did figure out what they were banging on about after the intermission. Best part was done. Why not just go home? 
Anyhow, it turns out Rebecca is not an Ed Sheeran fan after all. It was just that one song. Oh well, she liked the movie anyway. Sit by me, son. I'm sorry to be leaving you, Anthony. I'm sorry. It's a lonely spot here at Lane's End. It'll be hard to face the morning when I'm gone. The farm's yours now, and I'm sorry to be leaving it to you not as it was given me. There was reason. When I asked Mam to marry, sure I had nothing to call me known. The ring I gave her was but brass, though she took it like diamonds. Listen, son, your mam. I didn't love her. It's the truth. I needed a wife, and Mary would have me. But there was no love in it. I was without those feelings. The want and loneliness had gotten in me, and I looked at people like they were work. I don't know why she said yes. I thought maybe she wanted her own kitchen, as poor as ours was. <laughs> she made a garden for vegetables so she could see it in the morning. And she'd wait for me by the front door when I'd come down the old boreen by night. I walked by her half the time without so much as a nod. She bore me children, Trish and Audrey, then you. And I felt nothing. Till one day something gave way. Out in the fields and the wet grass, the quiet hand of God touched me so soft. I thought it was the breeze. Something came to save me, son. And it'll come for you too. I'd drive out with the feed in the morning and split the bag into the trough and the cattle would walk forward. I can't name the day. The cattle were there. The rain lit up. The sun shone, the sun shone on me, and I started in singing, just like that, you that old song, Mam's song, Wild Mountain Time, do you know it? And we'll all go together. And poor wild mountain time All around the blooming heather The sun shone on me And I laughed Because I saw me singing And I'd never been that man, never Singing in a field oh. All the days are alike on a farm Yet all of a sudden the drudgery I had known since birth lifted off me 
and a joy come up into me out of the land, out of all of it, the cattle and the sky. And when I went home to the house, a moment came there too, where all of it, you, the girls, her, even the house itself, all of it came to life in me. But it started out there in the fields that had been lonely when the sun shone on me. So that was my big bit at the end of Outside Mullingar. Well, more or less the end, as I said. I uh, I guess there was a sort of uh, denouement after the break, but really all that bit was just a bit boring, to be honest. Just the young people trying to give everybody their money's worth, you know. I mean, you don't want to go to a play and have it end after three quarters of an hour. But still, at that point, it was all over but the shouting. And now a word from our sponsor. Patterson's face masks, the ones that say go away. The good people at Patterson's want you to know that you can count on Patterson's face masks for all your pandemic needs. In festive Easter patterns for the coming holiday weekend. Also available, a six-foot distancing prod just like old Grandma Patterson used to use in the cattle pens back home. Don't infect your friends. Patterson's face masks, the ones that say go away. That's right, folks. We got ourselves our first sponsor. Because now we are a real podcast. Not just little videos for my Facebook friends to enjoy. All 15 of them. I'm talking Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and our home platform, the charmingly titled Podbean. Get it? Podbean? Say it five times fast. Podbean, 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 Pod. So, you can subscribe, you can listen on all your portable telephones and everything like that, like all the cool kids are doing. And if you don't already have a podcast provider, just Google Soul Food Ghost Light, one word, soulfoodghostlight.beanpod.com. Brought to you by the good people at Patterson's. Patterson's face masks, the ones that say go away. In the interests of public safety, however, we feel we need to acknowledge recent recommendations from the Center for Disease Control 
which obviously don't apply to us. CDC warns against starting podcasts while quarantined. Dateline Atlanta. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention released a statement earlier today warning citizens to abstain from creating any new podcasts during coronavirus self-quarantines. During these long periods of downtime, it may be tempting to start a podcast with your roommates about classic TV shows, rating bad liquors, or even live-action role-playing games, said CDC spokesperson Kendra Adams. We ask all Americans to stay vigilant and resist the temptation to unleash something on our population much, much worse than the virus itself. While the CDC is doing everything in its power to drive home its message, some are not heeding its warning. I mean, yeah, I get it. There's a lot of shitty podcasts out there, but our idea is actually really good, local improv comedian Randy Patton said. We're going to call it Corona Cinema, and we're going to watch movies about epidemics and, like, make jokes about them. So, like, Contagion, Outbreak, The Andromeda Strain. We're also going to drink Corona beer during it, too, and each week we'll have a special guest. We already have my level one improv teacher lined up, and a couple of guys from the best sketch group in town, Smelly Tuna. However, many feel Patton's quarantine plans are exactly what the CDC is warning about. We already have 150 confirmed cases of coronavirus-themed podcasts on our servers, said Spotify spokesperson Gina Blake. We have Padronavirus, Copod19, How Did This Get Infected, My Favorite Virus, Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me, and those are just from the last two hours. Our servers can't handle any more uploads. We're having a hard enough time keeping up with all the new metal bands named Coronavirus. The CDC concluded the address by reminding citizens that they have their own podcast, where they break down pandemics throughout the centuries, and to use the promo code CDC to get 15% off a purchase of Casper mattresses. Patterson's face masks, the ones that say go away. That's about it for today's show. Thanks to special guests Tim Dixon and the Lady in the Caloocan Cemetery. To Spencer Spanky Capier and his Jingle Juggling Face Mask 4. To the monster of the mixing boards, Mr. Rick Crankit Colhoun. And especially to Jim Tucker, our Podmaster Supreme, whose tireless labors in making this an actual podcast must be greatly applauded. I figure this thing's going to go viral. Or maybe we're not supposed to say that anymore. And let's finish today's episode with a brand new tune written yesterday morning by Laura Koch and a bunch of kids, including the four-year-old daughter of Nelson Boschman, who composed our theme music that's just fading out in the background there. Adri's unmistakable lyric genius can be noted by the discerning listener inspiring such memorable passages as eating lunch, vacations, and dinner with the cousins. We'll make sure that a portion of all royalty payments received by Soul Food 
that accrue to this song find their way to you, young lady. The start of a lucrative songwriting career. And hey, all you out there in podcast land, if you know a kid who wants to leave their songwriting fingerprints on Laura's next tune, they can join her next session on SnapTunes. That's snap-tunes.com. You just put that in your Googler or find it on the Facebook and read all about it. Currently Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday mornings at 10.30. And don't forget to leave a little tip for Laura in her Ko-Fi tip jar. Okay, just a warning about this song. It arrived by text as Carol and I were sitting down to lunch, sent by proud Papa Boschman, and I played it, and we didn't get past hugging Grandma and Grandpa before we lost it. All I know is it won't be forever. Oh, my. I've been sad at not being able to see my girls and their men and little Rosa and Tony and my family back in Calgary. But I hadn't really felt it until I listened to Laura's and Adri's song. Don't say I didn't warn you. I've been missing all my friends at school Eating lunch together and sometimes going to the pool I've been missing all the others too Hugging grandma and grandpa and going on those play dates too Again. Yeah. 